headline for this show could be wonderful score, not so wonderful game. Welcome to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese. This is one time where I'm glad I don't review games because composer Kevin Ripple's score for Aliens Colonial Marines fits so beautifully into the sound of the Alien franchise. But the game didn't do so well, so Sega has decided to not release a soundtrack. But as I said, I'm not a game reviewer. I like to talk about the music, and Kevin's music should definitely be heard. We're going to hear a lot of it in this episode. And a little bit later in the show, we'll talk about the sudden failure in his heart that led him to getting a heart transplant. Our conversation starts, though, with Kevin explaining how he got into writing music for games. listening to a game and it was actually um bill brown's work in the first rainbow six oh. and i was just thoroughly impressed and yep. i was like oh man that sounds so awesome and my buddy was like dude you could be doing this and i'm like <laughs> you know that'd be awesome if i can just meld my love for video games and right the love for music and you know that's pretty much when i started really really putting an effort in into you know making the contacts in the industry and uh networking well, and it, it paid off in a pretty big way, getting to work on Aliens Colonial Marines. Yes, yes. That was, uh, I mean, I've always been a fan of the movie, so when that came to fruition, it was, you know, it was like a kid in a candy store. Right, and as a part of the canon, right? So yeah, you yep, had literally, the, yeah. You had the opportunity to decide, do I want to take inspiration from James Horner and Jerry Goldsmith, or do I want to go my own way? And you managed to do both. Mm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, that was a, obviously, you know, that was a goal of mine. And sometimes I look back on it, I'm like, I don't know if I really, you know, with this score, I'm like, did I add enough of me? Did I separate it enough from what had already established? Um, but I mean, from what I hear of what people are saying, you know, it's, a, I have done that. It's like people, you know, say they hear my style in the score. And yes. To me, to this day, I don't know what my style is. I mean, obviously, <laughs> people can tell a certain way I write. Sure. You know, there was a, a, a little bit of a struggle within me to get that balance. And uh, mm-hmm. like I've said many times, that was the main, uh, I would say difficulty, but the main hurdle for the game for that game score was finding that that good balance of influence and originality. ask you about the opening cinematic to the game this absolutely I I was just so intrigued by your music it it sounded to me like Shostakovich and I just loved it I loved that opening cinematic you had all this time in there to to write some really great stuff can you talk about that well I'd have to say that that opening scene that piece that was used I wrote that before the opening scene was actually uh, put together Okay. But I had an idea that it would be in the start of the game, the piece of music that I was writing. Sure. I 
deliberately took that piece was heavily influenced by Horner's piece, yeah. which was heavily influenced by Shostakovich's piece. Sure. I mean, he was very close to the original piece. I wanted that same feeling, but without sounding too much like it. Like, right. I mean, there's a certain feel to that, to the melodic movement of that piece, and I mm-hmm. sort of want to mm-hmm. emulate that because that became the sound of, you know, aliens, yes. essentially. Yes. So I wanted to, you know, emulate that sound. So and that was that was definitely deliberate to borrow from mm-hmm. Horner what he borrowed from <laughs> the ballet. When you're scoring a game like Aliens that, or you know, that comes from a, a long series of films, mm-hmm. compared to a game like, say, Gears, where there were no films, right? How important to you in the Aliens scoring process was concept art and and getting a feel for what the game was going to look like, since you, I guess, kind of already had an expectation of what it would look like. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, that's a good question. Working for Aliens, when I first started, the whole, my biggest question was, where is this taking place? How is it taking place? Where is the story mm-hmm. in the timeline? Because mm-hmm. um, they always sort of told me that it's going to be canonical to the franchise, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's going to be in familiar territories or what. Sure. So once I knew that it was going to be, you know, pretty much a familiar settings from the first two movies... They really didn't have to send me anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, because they were working off of the same materials that I essentially initially had at my disposal too, which are the two films. Okay. What I would do is I would, you know, take scenes from the films and mute them and use that as inspiration and oh, sort of cool. the concept art that I would usually obtain for other games. Sure. Also how Goldsmith himself and Horner sort of approached those scenes. Like mm-hmm. I sort of wanted to touch on that too because there's this overall vibe that both movies individually convey and fans are used to that. And, yes. and that's that's what sticks with them. Yes. And when composing for this game, since I knew it was going to be canonical, I wanted to bring the fans back to that. And so having the films and the atmosphere of the films be an influence in the writing, I thought was you know a big part of that. It, mm-hmm. it needs to be a familiar territory for the fans and you know the game players. So when they hear it and they see it, they automatically get back in that frame of mind that was they sort of left off with on Aliens. But like with Gears of War, I relied heavily on the concept art that they provided. things that I admire about the films and the way the soundtracks work in the films that I think also you did a really nice job with is their use of silence. Yes. And they're, they're, they, it's almost like the music depends also on the soundscape of, of the room that you're in. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Right, exactly. There was, I mean, early on in the process, we were, Gearbox and I, were talking about, I mean, for a lot of games you have 
um, when there's nothing going on and you're just walking around, there's usually the, the obligatory explore music. Yes. Which I started writing stuff for. And there's still some of that in the game, but mm -hmm. as the process went on and we, under we understood together what type of game this was going to be, it was going to be a lot of action. Mm -hmm. So during the action, there's going to be a lot of action music. Yeah. So we collectively chose to, in the scenes where there's no battle, have minimal or no music at all. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, part of the creepiness of the franchise is the setting, is, mm -hmm. is knowing, essentially, what's around the corner. I mean, usually yes. in horror stuff, you don't know what's around the corner, and yeah. you, you want to sort of anticipate that with music. Mm -hmm. But being that the Alien franchise has already been established and fans know about it, yeah. you didn't want to hit them over the head with, uh, oh, what's a, oh, duh, it's an alien around the corner. You know, you know it's going to, something's going to jump out at you. You're just <laughs> yeah. waiting. So, you know, we let the lack of musical dynamics sort of help that along. So I want to talk to you a little bit, if I may, about Resistance Burning Skies. Resistance is one of my favorite uh, franchises. I've, I've loved all three games. Oh, wow. Played awesome. them, played them. But I, I don't have a Vita, so I haven't played oh. the Vita game. However, I've heard the music, and you got to work with Jason Graves on this. That I must have did. been a blast. Uh, that, that guy, that guy, yeah. his name is popping up everywhere. And he? Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. He's a, he's a good friend, and yeah. uh, I respect him highly. And he's just alone as a composer is very inspiring to me. When I found out we were working together on the project, I was like, well, part of me was like, oh, boy, now I got to live up to the quality of Jason Graves' writing. <laughs> um, but being that we were friends and we have a really fun relationship that I knew was going to be a blast. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, that was a that was a fun score to write. And we really didn't even collaborate. I mean, we heard each other's first demo pieces, which actually... Mm -hmm made it into the game oh funny but then we just you know went off writing on our own and obviously uh, my set of pieces and jason's set of pieces were all being you know reviewed by sony when it came time to the recording session it was the first time we both actually heard our full contribution to the <laughs> one it was really awesome and two it was just amazing how well they complemented each other sure so yeah. that that was a, a fun score to work on with jason When Gears of War came across your table, what did you think of that? I mean, was there any expectation that it would be such a huge game? No, not at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's hopes for every game that yeah. you're on is going to be big. Um, but it's sort of like, to me, I thought that it might be a big game because it was just coming out in Epic's new Unreal Engine. And yep. any anything they develop, the next thing is always awesome. So it was yep. highly anticipated, this new engine. And when the images were being put out in previews and everything of 
concept art and even you know in-game engine stuff of the game the excitement got bigger and bigger so yeah. you know we started thinking we i mean collectively i think me and epic you know this mm -hmm. is going to be something as the production uh, progressed and it got closer and closer to release you sort of knew that the monster that it was creating <laughs> of itself i mean i heard about the developing of the project while i was working on unreal championship 2 with them Yes, and I would not leave them alone and try to, you know, just to try to pitch on the game because I knew yep. it was in development. I knew they had other composers pitching on it, mm -hmm. but I was still working on Unreal Championship too. And when I was done with that, I was like, you know, I was just knocking on the doors. Please just, you know, yeah. let me have a chance. Let me have a chance. And I don't know if I was annoying or you know, the squeaky <laughs> wheel gets the oil or some type of thing. They ended up coming to me and asking me to write themes for the game. So I wrote a couple themes. They really liked what I did. And they said, well, how would you feel about writing, writing the whole game? And I was like, duh, of course. Sure. <laughs> so. Talk about your heart condition? We can if, if it's something of interest. Uh, I don't mind saying everything and anything. You know, it's, it's no hindrance <laughs> to me. I'm not offended or you know at all by yeah. speaking about this. Um, I never had a moment where I was facing death. To me, personally, I never had the, oh, this is it. I'm suffering a heart attack. It was never like that. Wow. Within one day, my life changed. I, I had a... Uh, at a heart failure at a, out of nowhere. So I wasn't feeling right. I had my wife, Tracy, call 911. They were going to bring me to the ER for a regular testing. And I thought I'd be home that night because yeah. I had a meeting that night with the director. And I texted the director. I said, I'll be home. I might yeah. be late. And I was actually tweeting <laughs> while I was in the emergency room saying, oh, look where I am and blah, blah, blah. You know, I was hooked up to tubes and everything. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, I had pains in my arm. I, I don't know if I had shortness of breath or anything. I just wasn't feeling right. So they're doing all these tests. And then they realized that my kidneys were failing. So they were looking for clots throughout my body by, I think, doing a CAT scan or an MRI. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And then I just blacked out. Wow. So I don't remember anything until I woke up two, two weeks later. Seriously? Yeah, I woke up two weeks later in a different... I went to one hospital and was helivacked to another hospital. So I woke up in another hospital. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I was so heavily drugged, and I didn't know what happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, so I really never had a, a moment to where, oh, my goodness. But then, you know, I had to come to the realization that I am now laid up in a hospital bed with a heart pump in me. And mm. it was like my biggest fear because... In my, my adult life, I've always been aware of heart issues and heart problems within the family and everything. So I did everything mm -hmm. and anything to combat that. And I did. I was a healthy person. I exercised, ate right. And so this came as a shock to everybody. So it was my biggest fear when I was told why I was in the hospital. And I was like, oh, okay, well, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I now have a heart pump in me. And, uh, you know, I, I spent not two months in the hospital recovering. And I mm -hmm. lived with a heart pump for nine months. What is that? Is that different than a pacemaker? 
Oh yeah, it's it's like literally, uh, it's called an LVAD pump, a left ventricular assist device. So what it does is it hooks into your left ventricle. Okay. And your blood then, instead of your left ventricle pumping it to your aorta, it's like a, a turbine pump that okay. just constantly spins and just flushes the blood to your aorta through your whole body. So my left ventricle pretty much was shut down and scarred up from the which we find out now was heart mm -hmm. failure, which was happening over years and years, but Jeez. I never had any symptoms. months after the transplant they found what caused the heart failure which was a tumor uh, which was nesting in between my adrenal glands which was growing for 15 years it's sending adrenaline rushes through my body for no apparent reason which overworked my heart oh. which caused heart failure wow so was it benign oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah it was benign and uh it, it's, it's a genetic thing so you had the pump for nine months and then you got the, the transplant? I had the pump for nine months and, and then the transplant. And wow. Then three months later, I had the tumor resection. And so. now you're just fine. <laughs> now I'm fine. I mean, during the, the original open heart surgery, there was an issue with my left arm to where a clot shot to my arm and cut off oxygen to my arm. They had to cut my arm open. Jeez. Oxygenate muscles. So I lost use of my left forearm and hands and fingers for a long time and I'm, wow. I'm still doing therapy now and that's been a, a constant reminder yeah. and sort of i don't say struggle but it's there every day that i have to deal with it and it's sort of like it's a daily reminder of everything but it hasn't stopped me i mean if anything yeah. my determination <laughs> and my success has grown since everything happened i don't know if that's a coincidence or it's it's not a conscious decision to make it happen it's just that yeah. things have been picking up a, a lot more since it happened part of getting through it was just constantly looking forward what's next let's you know let's get past this let's get past this so yeah how I am now is the same way. I just keep on looking forward, just keep on going forward. It's how I got over the whole thing mm -hmm. and it's how I'm gonna live my life and it's just, you know, whatever's in front of me, you just go through. What is next for you? Well, currently I'm working on uh, the film Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. I just finished up a game with Microsoft. Microsoft was the publisher. Signal Studios is the developer. The game is called Ascend New Gods. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's all that's on the plate right now. I really can't talk about any other sure, sure. things that are coming up.
What does it feel like when you invest all this time into a score for a game that doesn't do well? It's uh, like getting the wind knocked out of you, <laughs> almost, <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, it, I don't think my score is any less of a score because of the bad reviews of the game. I right. mean, I'm very happy with what I did. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's a strong score. I don't know, maybe it's coming from an ego point of view, but I think having having a score be part of a vehicle that is successful sort of helps the score get around a lot more. Yes. It gets more ears on it, gets more notoriety, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so being on a game that doesn't do well, it's sort of like... Oh, I think my score is so cool. I want to share it with everybody, but it's like you sort of mm-hmm. got to go through different avenues now. Yes. Instead of just fans of video games or fans of the franchise that would right. buy anything aliens. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, not only did I, well, I was bummed, but I was bummed for everybody involved in it. Right. I mean, this game has been through so many hands and through five years, I think. Yeah, five years since I was first signed on. Who knows how long it was before that. I mean, with that many people involved, you sort of feel for the, you know, people who are in the same boat as you. It's like yep. you work on it and you want to put out a good project, but, you you know, in a lot of situations, your hands are tied and then the game comes out and it's it's not as successful as one hoped. There was part of me that was hoping that the success of ju- it just being aliens would help it. Yes. Um, but I don't I don't know if that did it justice. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was disappointing. And but like I said, I'm really happy with what I wrote and, and fans seem to like the fans that have heard it so far seem to really like it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to do everything in my power and I want to share it on my website cause it is my music. I want, right. I want to present it as a, as sort of like part of my resume. So there will be streaming stuff on my site. There's five tracks up there now. Oh, um, I might continue to put snippets up, but nothing to the effect of it being a full soundtrack up there. Cause I want to respect Sega's wishes to hopefully one day release the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a blast to work on because it was the Aliens franchise. Sure. And it's still recognizable as um, part of the Aliens, you know, canon. Whether it was yep. a successful game or not, it's still there. It's I mean, still there. Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, <laughs> yeah. you know, are two films that are highly debated whether they're good or not. And they're still there. They're still part of it. Yep, um, yep. Goldenthal score for 3 and and. And Frizzell's score for uh, Resurrection, both great scores. I mean, they're really, really good. The fact that the movies are debated on whether good or bad doesn't take away from the awesomeness that the scores have. So I sort of like follow suit. You know, it's it's like almost like the the curse of coming after aliens, no matter what what it is or who does it. (laughs) You know, it's like you're sort of like taking a risk there. been listening to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese, and I had help this week from engineer Johnny Vince Evans. Upcoming episodes feature Jason Graves of Tomb Raider and Gary Scheiman of Bioshock Infinite. There are lots of ways for you to communicate with Top Score and me. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and or Facebook at Top Score Podcast. And there's also a link to send me an email at classicalmpr.org slash topscore. 